0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: This is Over the Top Cycling, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. We're on the line with Fred Matheny. Fred, you're kind of a cycling legend, you know that? That's really cool to be on the line with you.
0: I think if I'm a cycling legend, that probably means I'm old.
1: I didn't mean it that way. But <laughs> <laughs> so, Fred, what was it about cycling that really grabbed you as a youngster? When did you get involved with bike racing?
0: Well, I'm, I'm 70 now, so I started in the era of balloon tire bikes back in Ohio when I was a kid, I went away from the sport uh, to pursue football in in high school and college. And then uh, when the running boom started in the early 70s, I started to run because we lived out here in Colorado, and that was sort of the thing. And it soon became obvious that I wasn't much of a distance runner, but I really enjoyed riding the bike. So one thing led to another. I started uh, racing in the mid-70s and uh, have been at it ever since.
1: Now, I do want to go back to your football time just a little bit. You know, we think about lifetime sports and something like football, which can really take people over and become very passionate about it. What's it like to actually walk away from a sport and not really be able to do it again?
0: Well, that was frustrating because I was uh, able to play in high school and then I gained uh, 50 pounds in the weight room and, and overeating uh, to play in college. And, and, uh, unfortunately the Cleveland Browns didn't want me for any number of good reasons. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, it is difficult, but I needed an athletic outlet, I think. And cycling, uh, once I'd lost the 50 pounds was an obvious, uh, obvious choice.
1: How hard was that for you to do? The, the weight to loss lose actually. The weight? Oh yeah.
0: Uh, now the weight gain was the hard thing because I'm my whole family is naturally pretty lean. So I had to work really hard in the weight room and, and uh, nutritionally to gain the weight. And then when I started running and uh, backpacking and mountaineering and riding the bike, it just melted off. So that wasn't difficult at all.
1: Now, did you bring anything from your football days to your cycling as far as training and weight program, anything like that?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of it. I I think, uh, you know, you don't think those two sports are similar, but in in a lot of ways they are because they they both teach you the same lessons, the the ability to hang in there when it's tough and uh, the ability to have what they used to call stick-to-itiveness and just uh, a competitive mindset. So I I think I brought all those things. And then the weight training, uh, although cyclists aren't, notable for weight training, I think that it's very useful for cyclists, especially aging cyclists, as we try to maintain muscle volume and and uh, speed and and the ability to, if we fall off, to come away relatively unscathed.
1: Aging cyclists, that is a good way to describe me. So (laughs) I think of the 70s, and uh, that really isn't that long ago, But there wasn't a whole lot of cycling coaching knowledge, especially in the United States at that time. Where did you go to get training plans?
0: You know, we were talking about that at uh, Lon Haldeman's pack tour, that they're just really in the 70s, there was no information at all. There was the old Italian Coney manual that that, uh, you might remember with the blue cover that that had badly translated uh, old advice from Italy. And uh, there there was a little bit of information in some of the magazines in the U.S., but basically you learned it uh, by riding with the club, with the local club, and picked it up as kind of the lore of cycling that that got passed along uh, in those clubs. So I live in a small town in western Colorado. We didn't have a cycling club, and so I was struggling to learn that material on my own, and as I got more involved in it, I decided it might be good to try to write some articles and and pass some of what I was learning by trial and error along to other riders.
1: And what that you learned in the early days, do you still use today? Even with changes with heart rate and power and all the developments we've had in training since then, is it really that much different?
0: You know, it isn't that much different. If, If you're going out and doing intervals or if you're riding hard on a hill, Um, And you started back when I did, you you did all that by what now is called perceived exertion. And I think that uh, after you've ridden a while, uh, under those circumstances, you get a pretty finely tuned knowledge of what your body can do and how much further it can be pushed. The um, power meters and heart rate monitors um, do a good job of quantifying that. But it's still really important to listen to your body and and override what that power meter is telling you if if, uh, that's what your body is saying.
1: And when did you start to see a development in coaching and coaching knowledge with cycling? Uh, Was there a a period where there was a real shift from do-it-yourself to people starting to rely on coaches?
0: Uh, there weren't any coaches, uh, in the seventies when I started, uh, at least personal coaches like that, except maybe a couple of clubs had people who took on that role. I think, um, I, I really think Joe Friel in the, in the nineties, early nineties, uh, with his cyclist training Bible and his coaching, um, got this going. I, I think that, uh, Chris Carmichael, uh, uh popularized it with CTS. A lot of people uh, um, jumped on that bandwagon when there was a certification program for cycling coaches. And I think a lot of people who were extremely busy in jobs and, and you know careers and, and families found that uh, coaching helped them because they had a specific workout for each day. They didn't have to think about it. They just had to go out and do it. So uh, coaching has been a, a real boon for uh, uh, leisure time cyclists, people who are, are busy and, and need to fit it in.
1: So do you feel that that has been a real boost to Masters-level cycling?
0: It definitely has. You know, I'm not racing currently, but I raced for a long time for the Boulder Masters uh, cycling team. And those guys uh, in Boulder often would have a cycling coach, a nutrition coach, a strength coach. Uh, Some of them went really all in with this. and. I think that's good uh, if that's your mindset. I think some people respond to coaching very well. I think some people uh, are much better self-coached. And so it's a question of of knowing um, what works best for you. And you only learn that as you try different things and are in the sport for a while.
1: Now, we're looking to do a series with you on coaching tips, techniques. I teach skiing, and someone will come up quite frequently and say, can you give me a couple of pointers? And it's like, you know, it's really hard to do that because I don't know your background. I don't know where you are. I don't know. I could tell you something that really would not help you at all without seeing you ski. Would the same apply to cycling coaching or are we all fairly similar?
0: No, I think it does apply to cycling coaching. I I think the the straight Internet model of coaching where a coach who's never seen you ride, never ridden with you, uh, sends you a weekly plan. I think that's a, that can be helpful, but it, it it probably isn't. I think a coach, um, a cycling coach, needs to be like a football coach or a basketball coach or a gymnastics coach who's right there working with you uh and knows you and knows uh, what your body language is like on the bike I sit on the bike and there's of course a lot more to it than just developing horsepower and and wattage um how do you move in a pack uh, do you know how to draft can you uh, bump shoulders and not panic there there's a, an awful lot to riding a bike especially in a group and especially racing that sure. Power output uh, doesn't really address. So, I guess that's my problem with just internet coaching. Um, but I suppose that if you need to be coached, if you're really into the coaching part of it, that would be better than nothing.
1: And how have you been able to work with clients? Because you do some online, but you also spend some time with the client, correct?
0: No, you know, all I have ever done uh, as far as coaching goes is write books and articles about it and, and put in a disclaimer that says this is a rather generic program. It may or may not work for you. I have worked with some uh, uh, young writers here in, in Montrose where I could work with them personally. But I haven't, uh, and, and of course I, I kind of coach at uh, uh, PAC TOUR's uh, desert camps with people directly. But um, no, I I would not uh, just coach people over the internet for the reasons that I mentioned earlier.
1: Now I was going to say, at Pack Tour Desert Camp, you are there, you talk with us, and then you're able to ride with us. It's very helpful.
0: Yeah, right. And and people will say, "Oh, can you ride behind me and see what I'm doing?" or and, and ask specifics, and then I have a much better feel for where the person is coming from because I'm out there riding over a mule pass with them. And and I think that works. You know, sometimes it's not a long-term coaching relationship, but I think over a period of a week you can um, transmit some pretty decent tips uh, to people.
1: Absolutely. Now, that being said, what are some topics that we could go over that people would find useful?
0: Well, I think there's always the question of of, uh, how do you gauge intensity, especially if you haven't bought a power meter. So the whole question of how hard are you going and, and 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 do you know how hard you're going is is always an important topic. I think it's possible to talk a little bit about about technique and, and bike fit in general terms uh, in in this podcast format. Um I think that uh, we can also we could also talk about pack riding um, and then specific things like if you get dropped uh, what's the best way to get back on close gaps and uh, there there's hundreds of topics like that 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 we could discuss.
1: I'm very happy to hear you say that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, bike fit. That just uh when you mention that, there's so many changes in bike fit now from back in our day. Um you know, different systems, computers, pressure on saddle. I mean, it's amazing what all mm. they're looking at these days. But it still seems to be an art. I mean, I can go see someone who's been, you know, in the business of bike fitting for years and years and years. And it seems they can still really nail it.
0: Yeah, the the, uh, old Italian coach's story back in the 70s was that the old Italian coach could, could look at you on the bike and tell exactly what was right wrong with your position and, and would tell you to move something a millimeter or a centimeter and you would feel this incredible difference. Well, I didn't believe that, but I think that people who have done it for a long time have a really, really good eye. Uh, the great example is Andy Pruitt, the Boulder Center for Sports Medicine. I've worked with Andy a lot, uh, co-authored his uh, Medical Guide for cyclist book with him and uh, Andy used to come to uh, Pac-Tour Desert Camp, line people up on trainers and walk along in front of them, watch them pedal and and say to the person, your, your right hip hurts, doesn't it? And the person would say, what? How did you know that? Because Andy's <laughs> eye is so honed that he could look at you and see where the, the problems were in your pedal stroke.
1: I actually was a beneficiary of Andy's expertise at a pack tour when he fit my wife and I on our tandem before a race across America.
0: <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Yeah. An- Andy is good.
1: So to fit two people on one bike, I thought that was pretty amazing.
0: Uh-huh. Well, he's never fit my wife and I on our tandem, but uh, I hopefully learned enough uh, from him so that uh, we're sitting on there efficiently.
1: So, Fred, you you kind of worked your way into cycling. When did you really look at it and say, this is something I want to do? I really see a future with this.
0: Well, I I was a teacher. I was a high school uh, teacher for, for many years in Ohio and then here in Colorado starting in 1970. And I taught English. I taught writing. And about the time I began to race, I also thought that well if I'm a teacher of writing I probably ought to be a writer myself. Uh, a lot of writing teachers uh, assign writing but they don't really teach writing. And so I submitted some uh, articles on racing to different publications, uh, they were accepted. Uh, I started writing for Velo News in the late 70s and then Bicycling magazine and then when my uh, voice gave out when I got chronic laryngitis after 27 years of teaching. Um, I just, uh, switched over to full-time writing for bicycling magazine. And then, um, Ed Pavelka, the former executive editor of bicycling, he and I started roadbikerider.com, uh, in, uh, 2001. And, uh, I've been doing that, uh, either full-time or part-time ever since.
1: Now, looking back over your cycling career, what are a couple of the real highlights that stand out to you?
0: Well, there are a lot of them. Um, one of them uh, definitely was um, a transcontinental ride with uh, Lon Haldeman's pack tour that we did from Everett, Washington, to Yorktown, Virginia. 3,400 miles in 24 days, averaging 140 miles a day. Uh, there were no rest days because Lon doesn't believe in rest days. <laughs> so that was intense. <laughs> that was a, a sort of tour de France for uh, for the recreational rider. Our race across America team in '96 uh, that set the 50 plus record of five days, uh, or five uh, days, 11 hours was certainly a highlight. Uh, some race, a uh, uh, Mount Evans victory when I was a Cat 3, and uh, some uh, time trial, Colorado time trial championships, and so on. But, you know, uh, my wife and I rode uh, four hours on the tandem the other day, and that was a highlight, too. So uh, we. I think every day that I'm on the bike at this point in my life is a highlight, and that's my goal is to just keep riding at this point.
1: Fred, I love your attitude, and I am really looking forward to doing this series with you. Thanks very much. You bet. Thank you. Over the Top Cycling Boulder, Colorado. Fred Matheny joining us. I'm George Thomas.